You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 14 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, the show for October 2014. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and joining me we have a fantastic panel as always. They're small in number, but high in quality. Um, first with us we have uh, Guy Searle from the MyMac podcast back again. Hi Guy. Hello, it's been a while. It has, and uh, you're all the way across that Atlantic Ocean, but sounding great. Yeah, and all my football teams are winning, so I'm happy. Well, let, let's hope that continues. If we suddenly hear you swear in the middle of the show for no apparent reason, we'll, just... <laughs> well, it's either that or Tourette's. I you know, either one. <laughs> Always something good for a podcaster to have. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? And that, that other voice you've just heard there is uh, a first timer for this particular show. It would be the wonderful Brent Finan from good old Ireland. Hello, Brent. Hello. How are you doing? Not too bad at all. Now, listeners. Don't may not know Bren, but they sort of know Bren because Bren composed our theme music. And if you can know someone through their music, then you know Bren. Very, very slightly, yeah. For about twenty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, by the way. I do love that theme tune. Good, I'm glad. So we have a really busy month of Apple news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I sort of you judge think? months by how many show, stories I have to filter to create the show notes, and an average month is between ninety and a hundred. This was a 140-month. So, yeah, I was busy on Saturday. But anyway, all filtered down, so we've actually had to cut out some stuff, and hopefully we, we haven't left ourselves too much to go too long. But we shall see. Anyway, let's kick off with some easy stuff, some uh, good old-fashioned numbers, and really, numbers this month translates to financial stuff, really. Um, Apple released their Q4 2014 earnings report. Um, the short version is record quarter, yay. Um, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Long version is record quarter. Yay, yay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I think the long version has some numbers in it. Oh. Some numbers. Yeah, I'm not going too bonkers with numbers, but revenue of 42 billion for the quarter, which is up from 37.5 billion for the quarter last year. Profits 8.5 billion, 7.5 last year. Gross margins at 38%, which is up 1% from last year iPhone sales for just the quarter, 39 million, which is 5 million more than last year. iPad sales, 12 million. That's 2 million less than last year. And the Mac is up a whole million from last year to 5.5 million. Big numbers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, the the part that didn't really... I mean, what, the part that surprised me was iPhone sales, that, that they were up so high with yeah. it being the, the last... You know, the, the the first two months of the quarter basically being everybody holding their breath until the, the iPhone 6 came out. And uh, the fact that uh, iPad sales are, are still dropping, uh, you know, as compared to not only last year, but I think uh, uh, every previous quarter there's been a drop as well. And I, I, I just kind of got to kind of wonder what is Apple going to do to try to increase uh, iPad sales beyond well, I guess we'll get to uh, to well, the new hardware. Okay, but iPad sales are still double Mac sales. Yeah, so they're not doing too bad. And I, I just think everyone assumed people would replace iPads like they do phones, but I think that's wrong. Yeah, I, I'm still on a third gen. 
I, I will say as someone who's on his second iPad, and I love my iPad, but they're not a replace every year device. And I don't, I don't think you can really expect any device that costs above four or five hundred dollars to be something that you replace every year. That most people replace every year. Well, without subsidies, anyway. Without yeah, exactly without subsidies, which is where the phone and the iPad part ways. Mm-hmm. I know there are people who buy their iPhone unsubsidized, but they are a minority. Well, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. Also, also proud to be in that minority. Okay, but you don't update your phone every two years, then? Oh, God, no. no I, well, I'm still on the 5S, and I am sorely, sorely tempted by either the 6 or the 6 Plus. However, I'm, you know, because I've, I've got three other members of the family that also have phones, it's easy enough to say, okay, well, you're still on a 4S, so here you go, here's my 5S, and I get the new, the new shiny, shiny. Well, considering so, I have a 4S, can I have your 5S? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you'll have to contribute to the family in some way. I'll see what and, I can do. And, 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 not, and not be aggravating like my kids. <laughs> so clearly what I need is a bigger family, and then I can buy more stuff. Yeah. Although doesn't the bigger yeah, family I, I, th- I think that's how economics yes. works. <laughs> yes, yes, the family, families do cost a lot of money. Yeah, my, my grandfather insists every child is as much as a house. And uh, over the course of their childhood, probably more so. Well, including college, I imagine. So, yeah, I was going to say he said that 20 years ago when houses were a lot cheaper. <laughs> um, I, you know, so the iPad being down is obviously the, the only bit of bad news and what is, on the whole, very much a good news story. And I'm not even sure. It's not chaotic news. You know, it's not disastrous. It is just notable that it is, you know, graphs going the wrong way. But... The, the boost in Mac sales is pretty spectacular, from 4.5 to 5.5 year over year. That that's that's a lot. Yeah, that, well, I think there's, that a, a few happy. people have uh, a few people have observed that um, when the iPad was released, uh, it was way lighter and way slimmer and way handier for a lot of. You remember the the Steve Jobs chart of things that the iPad can do better than any kind of laptop. Yeah, but. Since then, we've had MacBook Airs, which are almost as small as iPads and almost as light and capable of far more. So that's going to eat into iPad sales, as well as the kind of increasing size of the the iPhone. And mm. I think that you know, I, th- I think that if iPad if iPad sales are going down, I think that has a lot to do with it is the fact that Apple is cannibalizing it itself as Apple tends to do from both directions. Okay, so last year there were 34 million iPhones. This year there's 39. You take two of those extra 5 million <laughs> and that makes up your iPad shortfall. I'm not sure it's quite as direct as that, but yeah. Okay, well, you know, remember yeah. it is only over one quarter of these numbers and it is the quarter where Apple for the first time went supersized, so that surely has to be significant. I keep waiting for them to go supersized on the iPad. Yeah, so was I. I think I, I think it might have been on, on Chuck's show where I said that, no, I, I got the inverse of what I wanted this year. I wanted my iPhone to say small and my iPad to get bigger, and I got a bigger iPhone I don't want and no bigger iPad I do want. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, what, I, what I'm hearing a lot as well is that a lot of people are thinking that the, uh, the is it IBM, the deal that they've, yeah, the yes. deal that they did with IBM for business, that that's going to be where they're looking to push their iPad sales to. Uh, and that the the mm, IBM what, the, in, the enterprise market exactly, uh, and that the IBM will become more of a 
a kind of enterprise device at least aimed towards people who are going to use it in their professional lives. Um, which is good news if you want your bigger iPad because there's definitely going to be some kind of market for that. Well, uh, until until they work out multi-user support for iPads or some way yeah. beyond it being just a, a single personal device, I, I don't see uh, enterprise adoption becoming uh, much more than it currently is. There's There's a lot still missing in iOS to make them you know, true, it, well, and of course, this is just my opinion, true enterprise devices, but I think that they're certainly much farther along than than any other uh, tablet or phone maker. Well, on some level, they've got a lot of it in line already. They, you know, they, they've dealt with the encryption stuff. They, you know, they're ahead of the curve on that. You have all the management software available to manage a whole fleet of iOS devices. You have this concept that corporations can buy apps in bulk and distribute them out among their employees, so well, you've got, also awful. got the yeah, yeah the and old. you've also sorry got the the uh, the software that IBM is going to be developing specially for it. Yes, and SDKs that allow people to write apps that are only available within their private app store. So they have a lot of ducks in a row. But the, 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 you know, if you'll excuse me, horribly mixing my animal metaphors, the <laughs> in the room is that lack of sharing. You know, corporations are not prepared to buy every employee an iPad. Right. You know, not going to happen. Well, and not only that, but but on on the non enterprise side of it as well. Uh, you know, I'm not entirely comfortable handing uh, one of my kids or or my wife my uh, iPad. That you know, in order for them to do be able to do anything with it, I basically have to unlock it and give it yep. to them. And then anything that I have on there is open and available to them. It's. You know, it, to me, it's as much of a shortfall as copy and pa- cut, copy, paste. But somehow, I don't think Apple see it as being as big a deal. Well, the the way that I've always seen it is um, iPads, and and I can't see them going a long way in in terms of sharing of iPads because I think that they see iPads as being a device that's yours, in as much as a phone is a device that's yours. Uh, PCs are for sharing, which is ironic, actually, given this personal computer. But iPads are really personal devices. They're, they're only supposed to be for one person. And I think that's how Apple sees it. I think you're right, but I think they're wrong. <laughs> Ultimately, it's all Unix. It should be multi-user. Anyway, um, Apple, mostly good numbers, with the small blip being the iPad sales. Samsung, on the other hand... I'll sell 12 million of anything and call it a blip. Yeah, Samsung not so much a blip as a plummet, although it is still profit, right? So that's something. <laughs> but when your profit hits a three-year low, that's not a good something. And when your profit is down 61% year over year, but it is still profit. <laughs> not making a lot. Well said. Well, obviously they're doomed. Well, those numbers match the headlines people put against Apple. I know, I know. And the Apple numbers and did, do not. Did, did either of you read uh, the McAlopes article from, from this week? I, no, I I missed it this week. He I, called it Samsung Freude. Samsung Freude. <laughs> um, and it it was just a list of of all of the articles that he's posted over the last couple of years, saying how Xiaomi spells doom for Apple, and his responses that Xiaomi spells spells doom for Samsung and other cheap Galaxy makers, and basically saying, yeah, he was right, oh, which I think he was. There was uh-huh. also actually, a, it's popped into the show notes, a good tech pinion piece on 
the uh, actually it also has Schadenfreude, although it has actual Schadenfreude in the word. Um, but the fall of the <laughs> Church of Market Share is the title of that article, and it just goes through a whole bunch of graphs about how this whole myth of well, if you make market share, you'll win profit wise. No, it is so not all, enough all, to sell more. All <laughs> those people that used to say that are now saying Farfig Nugan. Yeah, pretty much. But don't yeah. you know that? I think Ben um, Ben Thompson on Stratechery did a uh, sort of callback to one of his pieces from a from a year or two ago. As well, actually, maybe it wasn't that long ago, but again, saying the same kind of thing that Xiaomi spells doom for Samsung, not Apple. No, it's people seem to want to believe that the phone market today is the PC market twenty years ago. But 20 years have passed and they're not the same thing. So you can't just take the analogy and bring it over. because Just because it worked for Microsoft doesn't mean it'll work for Samsung. No, and well, the difference, the difference is, is kind of the opposite. You know, Microsoft got their market share by selling the operating system to anybody who was willing to put it on their, their hardware. Hmm. And Samsung isn't going to win market share by selling somebody's OS on expensive devices. Yeah, I mean, you know, Microsoft won the PC wars, but but Gateway didn't, and Dell didn't, um, and Sony didn't. You know, it's not the people who are making the devices that are gonna that are gonna win win the money through market share. And thanks to the fact that the internet is now a app for everything, I'm not sure anyone can ever win like that again. Probably not. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh no, 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 no! That's the opposite of a no. bad thing. In my opinion. <laughs> Call it a good thing? Yes, indeed we shall. <laughs> um, un- unless anyone has any other insights into that, I suggest we move along to the next. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Which is the legal latest section. Um, just two. No, well, I say just two, but there's three, so never mind. <laughs> three stories here. Um, the, 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 believe it or not, Apple are on their way to a courtroom to discuss the DRM on the iPod. Well, of course they are. It's only 10 years later. <laughs> right. Uh, someone thinks that they should be done for antitrust over that. Okay. We shall see. Um, that's not really... Well, that isn't important news yet, unless they somehow manage to lose that case and something bad happens. But Well, somehow. just so long as they keep it out of East Texas, they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going on memory. I think it was in New York, so they should be fine. Um, the other two stories, though, are... Um, Good news stories in the sense that uh, companies which others have classified as patent trolls lost court cases to Apple. Um, The first one is Wylan. Uh, They have LTE patents and uh, a judge ruled that Apple were not infringing those and summary judgment against Wylan. There will probably be appeals, but it's a significant victory for Apple all the same. And then the other case is against GPNE and... um, it's Apple who are classifying the losing company as patent trolls in that case. Uh, basically, flat out saying that they're just being patent trolls. Basically, they had patents for pagers, allowing two-way communication between pagers. And uh, they said that because the iPhone allows two-way communications over a wireless network, it infringed their patent. Ah, uh, because there's no other devices in the world today that allow two-way communication. Got it. Right. So mm-hmm. they lost, uh- and that is good. Yeah, I'm just imagining Alexander Graham Bell rising from the grave to sue them back. <laughs> okay, I just watched a documentary on the, on the invention of the telephone. Yes, but I, I was going with the name that that everybody knows. Who was the the other option? Was it Marconi of the radio or no, uh, somebody else? Um, Elijah Gray. Oh, okay. And then there was a guy in Cuba twenty years before all of them. <laughs> 
But no, well, <laughs> you don't. You, you, it would appear that Bell's lawyers may have stolen Gray's idea. So, not a good example. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I heard about that on something sometime. But yeah, well, Jeremy Clarkson told me on television, so it must be true. <laughs> yeah, because I wouldn't disbelieve anything I'd heard from Jeremy Clarkson. No. <laughs> anyway. Um, with that, let's get stuck into the big stories of the month. Um, we have five... No, we have four big stories. I can't count, clearly. We have four <laughs> big stories, so let's stick into the first one, which was the Apple event. So, having only just called everyone together for one in September, they followed on with a second event in the middle of October. Um, the first topic for discussion was iPads. Yay. So, iPad Air 2 gets Touch ID, thinner, faster... They lasered a pencil to prove the point. Uh, yeah, is it really necessary for these devices to all become so thin that you can't see them behind a pencil? I think I would I, rather have them be a little bit thicker and have better battery life. I wouldn't. I I am of the opinion yeah, for, that they have a wee way to go yet. For iPad, I'm inclined to agree, agree with you, Bart. Uh, for an iPhone, I would rather a slightly thicker iPhone with a better battery life. I say this as a person who has to charge his phone at least twice a day. Um, but for the iPad, I get plenty of battery life out of my iPad, and I would like it to be lighter in my hands. Yeah, it's, I want it to be a one-hand device, and it's not... Mm. Okay, I don't have an Air, I have a, a fourth gen. But the yeah, fourth ditto. gen is definitely not there yet, and... The air, may, maybe the air is there, but I, I, I would like it to be sheet of cardboard thick, and just be yeah. a magic sheet of cardboard. <laughs> the air is pretty crazy light, actually. I have to say. Okay. And th- this one is weight-wise, little, uh, I don't think it's much. It's lighter. very slightly lighter, but uh, from what reports I've heard, nobody can really tell the difference in any significant way. It's just thinner. What I kind of like is that you take two of the new iPads and stack them on top of each other, and it's still not as thick as the first-gen iPad. The original iPad, which <laughs> was not exactly a you know hardback book in size. No, but at the same time, they used some terrible trickery on that because you know the edge of the case was so the high. The teardrop shape, yeah. And then you have the teardrop at the back because it's actually twice as high as it looked. Mm. Slightly cheating, but yeah. So we've come a long way, I suppose. It's true. There was also an update to the iPad Mini, which everyone seems to just think was price gouging. Yeah, it, does, I, it doesn't even have it doesn't even have the um, Touch ID. The Touch ID. So, what's up with that? I mean, what's the what was the point of it? It it it. I mean, basically, it's a little bit faster than the the previous one. But yeah, why why bother? Yeah, if I wanted an it's iPad cool. Mini, which I don't. I want a bigger one. But if I wanted an iPad mini, I'd just go for the now $100 cheaper too, or $50 cheaper, whatever it cheaper it is. I'd just go for the old, you know, last year's model, which is still selling. Yeah, me too. And actually, that's probably the biggest news of it all. They now have more different models of iPad than you can shake a proverbial stick at. Yeah, well, they're not still selling the two. way to make. Well, hang on. So what are they? They don't, they, the two is still there as the baseline for education. No, it's the four. It's, it, oh, the is four it, is, okay. Okay, so that's a Retina device, at least. So you're the four. Well, yeah, but they've also got the original iPad Mini, which you can still buy. So you've original Mini and the Mini Two. So that's and the Mini Three. <laughs> no, there is no no. What? Yeah, the Mini Two from last year and the Mini Three from this year, which is basically the same device, but you can get it in gold. And it's I a little faster. Think yeah, it's a little faster. Are you sure it doesn't have Touch ID? Ow. Sorry, I'm just loading Apple.com here because I thought it did. I hope it does. It's got to be something worth that extra money. 
Sorry about the phone. No, it's fine. Oh, that's okay. Is that an important sports update? No, no, no. That was the the, the actual wow landline. And I always for, I always forget to take the stupid <laughs> battery out of it. So Bart, I'm assuming that the this this section here is going to get an edit. <laughs> no, 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 we don't edit. We don't edit shows. Top iPad. <laughs> right, we have iPad Air 2, iPad Air, iPad Mini 3, iPad Mini 2, iPad Mini. That is the canonical <laughs> answer. Ridiculous. And iPad. Uh, and what? Yeah. Actually, they're not advertising the, the, the cheapy, cheapy one. The, 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 the fourth gen. The four? Yeah, the, yeah, the Mini 3. Maybe the Mini 3. It. The Mini 3 does have Touch ID, though, as does far it? as I can okay. tell. So well, I, I'm looking at a very grainy picture now because my internet is kind of lousy. Um, but that looks like a sapphire. Uh, yes, okay, I'm, I'm scrolling here. The <laughs> yeah. Compare Models page is great. You can scroll down through them. There are two iPads with Touch ID. They are the new, so the Air 2 and the Mini 3. Okay. Yep. Which which means that Apple is kind of betting on some people wanting, uh, being willing to pay 100 quid extra, $100 extra, whatever it is, for Touch ID and a slightly faster watch me jigger. Um, which I think some people will be. I mean, when it, when it comes to Apple Pay and that kind of thing, I expect. Uh, and I don't think Apple Pay works with iPads currently, but I'm pretty sure it will in the future. Um, that, oh, hang on. No, wait, no, because you need to have an NFC. Right, you okay. Need to have sure NFC, you don't want to edit this? The, certific- the certification from the, mm. uh, that of F, whatever it is, the federal lot. Ah, those people. FCC. Mm. That's, that's the one. I was going to say the yep. FTA, but that's wrong. Also, the uh, the iPad Mini Two and the iPad Air are the only two models that you can get with thirty two gigs. And they still have those. The entry level still being sixteen gigs. I whined about this yeah. when they did it with the iPhones. I'm going to whine about it again. They are that is just a terrible experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, John Gruber and John Syracuse have both called it punitive, and they're absolutely right. Um, it's and it's going to hurt them in the long run because if you look at at what happened with uh, with iOS eight adoption yeah um an awful lot of devices weren't updated to ios 8 and it's been their slowest adoption of a new os since i think the release of the iphone in terms of uh percentage right because who has five free gigs on a 16 gig device is quite right i certainly didn't we're still for those poor people on eight gig devices well i actually uh a couple of days after the um the launch of the new phones there was a, a chap and i was changing network in a phone shop and there was a chap next to me uh looking to buy a new iphone and he was asking whether he should get an eight gigabyte iphone 4s and it took all my power not to just start yelling at him and and the store assistant who was advising him towards it and telling him it would be a very 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 poor decision at least uh, if the store clerk had been saying yes that's brilliant i probably wouldn't have restrained myself from saving that person (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, well, it's not bad good. day. It's it's yeah. it's, it's a sh- it's, and it's oh, going to hurt oh, them in the oh, long run. Yeah, I almost dropped a, the, I almost <laughs> a bold word, but it, it's 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 just not customer friendly. It's no, it's not. And and um, as as it goes on, like because and I think again, Mark Armand said this on his blog, and I'm sorry for constantly name dropping articles I've read, but uh, he mentioned that. Time was, you know, three, four years ago, if someone was looking to buy a phone, you could just say, just buy an iPhone. And it didn't matter which one you you bought because they were all good. And you can't say that anymore because, like, you have to actively advise people against buying 
one of these 16 gigabyte phones because it's just not enough anymore. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think that there's there's a, a, a large amount of people who barely use it as a smartphone, that it's, it's mostly, you know, their contacts and using it as a phone. They're not, not using a whole lot of apps. They're, they don't put a lot of music on it. They, you know, I, for example, um, I, I was recently helping a, uh, a friend of my wife's who, who isn't very tech savvy. Uh, she's, she basically needed to update from 10.5.8. And I said, mm-hmm. yes, you need to update from that very, very quickly. And she had a iPhone 4. She was moving up to a iPhone 6. And she had an 8-gigabyte iPhone. And I, after I had updated her laptop, I connected the phone to the laptop. She had barely 3 gigs of stuff on it. And she was like, oh, I don't care about music. There's just a couple of apps that I like. And, and most of her apps were, were web-based. So... In that particular case, I mean, does it really matter whether they have a 16 or a, or a 64 gig device? Well, where it does begin to kick in is Apple are convincing everyone that these devices are fantastic cameras. And they do great slow motion video and they do great HD video and they do great time lapses. Well, they do. But these are, you know, again, the, the same people that I was just talking about. Are they doing slow motion video? It, it, you know, if they're the kind of people that, that care about the quality of the camera or the quality of the pictures that they can take or, or the fact that they can do all these great effects with video, they're not going to buy 16 gigabyte devices because they're smart enough to know better. But they shouldn't have to be right. Well, you should be able to watch Apple's keynote. See the cool features, buy any Apple device, and use them without being completely screwed. That's not true. No, these are, I mean, for Apple, these are low-end devices for Apple. Yeah, but their flagship should never be low-end. And unlike if you get a a very small Samsung, you can't shove a little chip in the bottom of it to make it more. What you you get... You're stuck with what you get, yeah. Yeah. What you get is what you get. It's... mm, I, I would, there, I would obviously there's a market all, for it. I would argue though that not all uh, owners of 16 gigabyte devices, and I say this as an owner of a 16 gigabyte device because I couldn't afford any more than that, um, are you know are able or necessarily fall into that category that you've described. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we can't get any numbers on it because we'd need to get those from Apple, and I don't think they're returning Bart's calls yet. Um, <laughs> They don't want to return John Gruber's calls. Why would they return my calls? But uh, I suspect that there's quite a lot of people in my camp who get the best uh, spec phone that they can with as you know with a small hard drive because you know they take that trade off in terms of price. And in terms of uh, you know, it makes a marginal difference for uh, for Apple to. to sell the 16 the gigabyte phones because because it pushes people towards the 64, but not everyone will upgrade to a 64, which means that some people are just left with, you know, with 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 this phone. Which I mean, yeah, it does fulfill the the use case that you've described, but I don't know how large a proportion of iPhone owners that use case fits. Well, well there's way, no way to tell. It's also a very well, big step it. from 16 to 64. That's true. And it's a hundred and it's a hundred dollars in the U.S. 
<laughs> so I think if somebody could, if somebody was going to pay four ninety nine for an iPhone and needed more space than that, that they could more than likely jump up to five ninety nine. Okay, but that's the iPhone. I mean, this discussion is about yeah. the iPad, and that's not true with an iPad, where again it's an unsubsidized device. So you're always spending quite a few hundred dollars. No, it's I, it's a hundred dollars to go from yeah, sixteen but, to sixty four. Oh, sorry, you mean extra? Okay. Yeah, but yeah, but you, you still. I mean, you know, everyone's gonna gonna weigh up the positive and negative aspects of of what device they want to buy. And some people will want more space, and some people will want um, a cheaper price. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe not a cheaper price, but some people will want the the best specs that they that they can get. And everyone's got a budget, you know. And like, maybe a hundred bucks is you know. A lot of people can swing it uh, as an extra cost, but like uh, some people are going to save up for a little while to to afford a five hundred dollar device. Hundred dollars extra on that could be a, a pretty big difference for them, you know. Well, well, then you can make the argument. Well, then don't go think of the the older model, which is still With available, the greater capacity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Get the for four forty nine. Yeah. yeah, well, that's it. Uh, like uh, that's possibly uh, part of the reason that the iPad two is. Apple's biggest selling iPad. Like, that's most of the iPads out there now are iPad 2s. I heard that spec somewhere. Okay, and I was just going to say, because sometimes when they keep the old models on, they don't let you change the size, but the I just checked, and the iPad Air Not 2 is still available in 32 gig form. So that is a decent Yeah, option. right. And yeah, it's $50 less than the 16 gig uh, iPad Air 2. Yeah. Okay, they, I still, I, I, I think it's <laughs> silly. I think it's short-sighted to keep the the bottom model at sixteen. But anyway, we. I, well, I, think I so don't. Too. I don't. I don't. I don't argue against that. Ah, okay. In that <laughs> case, now that we agree, let us move on. So into the Mac we go. Um, it's a good thing I don't have much money because if I did, I wouldn't anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the iMac has gotten some serious, serious love. Um, Apple have released, so they're not replacing the existing models. You don't have to spend €2,500 on the entry price. The cheap iMacs are all still there. But there is now a new model that has popped up at the top of the range, which has not a 4K display, but a 5K display, which tells you who this machine is for. The answer is it's for people editing 4K video, because they need to see 4K video plus their editing controls. (laughs) And in a strange irony, actually, if you want to watch 4K video, this is not a very good screen for that because it has to all be scaled. <laughs> so. I, I love but, how many people are angry because this um, dates their Mac Pro. Oh, listen, they, they they bought a shiny Mac Pro a year ago, and or now six actually, months ago, <laughs> or two months ago. Now it turns out yeah. that actually the best Pro machine for video editors is not the standalone little cylindrical terror. Yeah, which can't actually power a 5K display. Oh, yeah. But I bet the next one will. Oh, certainly. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure they uh, love <laughs> Apple for that. Multiple thousands of euro are going to be delighted by that prospect. <laughs> Although I'm sure you can get an external graphics card that works over FireWire to make that possible. Oh, yeah. Someone will figure that out, because the FireWire bus is just... Sorry, Thunderbolt. Are you ta- not, not fi- yeah, I was going to say Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. Yes, so sorry, the Thunderbolt caused fire, but anyway, so it's Thunderbolt. Um, Thunderfire. Thunderfire. 
There's a name for the I, show. I do like that the, there was a. The, I think Apple released the Thunderbolt and Lightning cables in the same year. They did. It was quite. And it was very, very frightening. Mm, me, Galileo. Galileo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's stop this immediately. <laughs> yeah, look, we had to get that out of our systems. It's out of our systems now. Um, <laughs> obviously, as a, a photographer and someone who's tinkers around with video, I'm obviously completely drooling over a 5K iMac, but. I'm guessing it's not aimed for other people. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, you all right there? Yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. Oh, oh, Diane. Um, I'm imagining this isn't a Mac for the common person. No, no, not at twenty five hundred dollars. So, so this and is it's only Mac got eight gigs of RAM. Isn't that <laughs> isn't that precious? So this is the Mac that is not for the rest of us. Definitely, yes. Um. Yeah, and I mean, Apple make a good point, they made a, a sort of a fun point that if you actually want to buy a, a, a 4K display, you're probably going to pay three grand. Yeah. So <laughs> Apple give you it for less and they throw in a free iMac. <laughs> One way to look at it, but it's still an expensive machine. What's probably more interesting to more people is the update to the veritable little Mac Mini. Um, it has gotten cheaper, faster, and the and RAM got less, folded in. And, and less expensive, and less... Um Oh, darn it. What's the word? Less uh, ex- expansive. Ex- yeah, the RAM got soldered in. Whatever, whatever way you want to turn that into it, yeah. Expandable? Expandable. You know, I, was, I was talking to Gaz, and he said you can't even easily get to the hard drive anymore either. So it is, it is what you buy. Yeah. It's a pity. I mean, the iMacs have... Sorry, that's the IMAX. The Mac Minis have had a history of swinging over and back between being utterly unreplaceable, having good access again, and now we're going back the other way. Because the very first, the G4 Mac Mini was the first Mac I ever bought, and it was, you needed something called a spudger to get into it. You basically, yeah. you know, you need like effectively a Yoki juice for plastering with to break your way in. So they were completely on nothing user replaceable. And the model before this one had the screw-off bottom that you didn't even need a screwdriver to get into, and you could flip out the RAM, and it was all very easy, and the hard disk was in there too. It was a bit more involved. And now it's just back to the whole, no, you don't go in here. It's it's sealed off yeah. you. And I don't think the reason is punitive. I think the reason is that what they actually are now, in a very real sense, is MacBook Airs in a different form factor. Yeah, it's MacBook yeah. Air without the screen. Yeah, and Although they're still CD box shaped. Well, no, because it's like someone got a CD box and squished it. They're, 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 the current Mac Minis are quite a bit wider than the G4 original Mac Minis. Oh, are they? Oh. Yeah. So they're less okay. tall, but they're wider. So it's like someone got a Mac Mini and stood in it too long. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no physical change right, at okay. all. So they, they are still the same slab o aluminium with, with the innards lasered out. Yeah, but I think it has uh, two Thunderbolt ports instead of the one that it had before. And USB three. Yes, it didn't have before. So it's basically and it, it, it's a sweet little machine, and um, you know, because I'm I'm still rocking a, a 2008 Mac Pro, and you know, one of the reasons why I bought it was just the incredible amount of internal storage that I could put into it. But Thunderbolt has kind of taken that argument away. Yes, because you can have just as fast, but have it outside so you can move it from Mac to Mac to Mac, and you're not and quieter it too. Yeah, yeah, and less space consuming. Those Mac Pros are beasties. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, and and quite a nice little heat source in the winter. That can be useful. <laughs> um, actually, I, 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 I was 
as one does when one's online, I came across a guy who turns them into furniture. Seriously? Yeah, they're almost Seriously? big enough to be a, like a sleeping sofa. Well, one of the simplest designs he has is you take two Mac Pros and you mold a wooden top that sits into that. You know the way they have handles at the top? Well, if you mold yeah, in a yeah. piece of wood perfectly to fit half the handle, you can have a really elegant coffee table. I'm pretty sure there are cheaper ways to make coffee tables. Oh, sure, but not pretty. <laughs> Anyway, I, 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 well, okay, I'll take your word for it. The, the other big change with the Mac Mini, I mean, it, the fact that I love them to bits has always been a Mac Mini in this house. There is to this day, and there probably always will be. But so they've gotten cheaper, which is good. They've got more connectivity, which is good. But what has gone away, which is less good, is that the server model is gone. Yes, which is disappointing in the sense that the, what the server model gave you was two internal hard drives, which a lot of people set up as mirrored RAID sets. And that way you had a bit of resilience and you could stick your little Mac Minis into a data center. And you can stack an awful lot of Mac Minis into a standard server rack because they're really quite tiny. Well, OWC actually has a uh, uh, single height or no. Uh, one two, U. Yeah, one uh, U server bay that you actually put a Mac Mini into and then you Thunderbolt out of it to a graphics card or, or you know, whatever other expandability that you need. Yeah, so the, this yoke, this adapter, what do you call it, an adapter? <laughs> a super chassis, an extra chassis. Um, yeah. It contains the hard drives and everything, so you can really take the Mac Mini as the brain of a server and pop it into this contraption. It's kind of cool. It is. Yeah. Or it was. Or, well, you can still stick the Mac Mini in, right? It's just you don't have two internal drives now, so you really, really do need external storage if you're going to use a Mac Mini as a real server. But, of course, you have the Thunderbolt, and you have the USB 3. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, it's 6 of one, 24,000 of another. <laughs> oh, I'll take 24,000, please. <laughs> um, and then the, other, the last thing that was sort of mentioned at the event, I put it into the show notes as topic two, but it was technically unveiled in the same event, is, of course, OS 10.10 Yosemite, or Yosemite, as half the planet is insisting on calling it. <laughs> yeah, Gaz calls it Yomo. Well, at least that's not as bad as Yosemite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've heard it on one or two podcasts uh, as mispronounced as Yos 10. Yos 10. <laughs> nah, that works. That works. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> so, in, in one sense, the, the biggest thing with 10.10... Okay, no, let's not gloss over the looks. Um, so it looks really quite different. Who have you Have you both updated yet? I have not because I have uh, very important software that won't run on it as far as I'm aware. Now I jumped in with both feet. It it actually took me a while. Um I was running the uh the beta for it mm-hmm. on a on a separate drive and just just kind of trying things out. And when they finally did release it, uh, I put it on that same drive and then set up all the software that I used to create the MyMac podcast and found that I could do it. So uh, what I decided to do was something I haven't done in well over 10 years. Uh, I did a nuke and pave of my, of my main drive uh, after, of course, doing a complete backup and you know making sure I had extra copies everywhere, everywhere, in case something goes horribly, horribly wrong, as it is often wont to do. And uh, I'm basically kind of starting from scratch. And, okay, you know, well, then the- I have a question for you because I, ha- I didn't start from scratch, and I was coming from an encrypted Mac... And upgrading it, so at no point was there any reason for Yosemite to try convince me to encrypt. I had, you know, been there, done that. 
Right. But according to the stuff I'm reading, if you do a blank install, it doesn't quite force you to encrypt, but it most certainly nudges you very strongly in that direction. Can you verify that? Uh, no, I can't. I just I just did the the plain vanilla install. So okay, well then. whether whether it's encrypted by its nature when you install it, I I don't okay, really well, know. You're sitting at it obviously because you're talking to me through Skype. So if you click on the little Apple logo and go to mm-hmm. some preferences, yeah, I'm just sitting here imagining guy just clicking yes to every option that showed up. What yeah, pretty much encrypted. We, we shall soon see. So if you go to security and privacy, and the top of icons. And you go to oh, File Vault. Is it on or is it off? Fire Vault is uh, off. Off. Okay. Well, then there are a whole. I'm deleting some news stories from the show notes here because there were lots of media outlets saying that OS 10 was encrypting by default, and I couldn't check because, like I say, mine was encrypted anyway. Right. But if you did a clickety clickety click 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 install and you're not encrypted, well, then that news story is bunkum. So where is? I'd it? like to think I had to bunkum. Well, you're debunking him, bunkering. So there we go. So Goodbye. De- Sorry, Intego. You're I'm de-unbunking de- them. You're creating new bunk. Yeah. Okay. But it, it, but in the opposite way. Wasn't. <laughs> I can't figure that out. Wasn't Bunk a congressman? No, he was a senator. I'm just wondering if I managed to fall off the call and get back on before anybody noticed. Did you fall off yeah. the call? I certainly did. Oh, I mean, well, we no. hadn't noticed. <laughs> Anyway, because I was so, being silly. Okay, so sorry, getting back to... Okay, so Bren, you haven't updated, so you're just imagining. You yeah. have updated Guy after very, very sensibly and carefully checking everything out, whereas I jumped in with both feet, because, well, fake it. If it all goes wrong, I can tweet about it angrily, and then it'll be fun for someone to look at. Yeah, well, I mean, basically, anyone who's who's going to do a, a an update like this, uh, before you do anything, you know, make sure that external from, you know, whatever it is you're going to install the OS on that you have a complete and total backup, a bootable backup, of what it is you are about to replace. Correct. And, you know, as, as much as I joked, I jumped in with both feet. Carbon Copy Cloner had my back. Yes, I am a big fan of Carbon Copy Cloner. And actually, usually I, I click the install button straight away, but I did actually, they came out the weekend I was producing Alison's show because she was away. And I did actually record Alison's show and then upgrade my mic. Yeah. Yeah, well, I did. I did the uh, my Mac podcast with Gaz yesterday, and then this morning when I got up, I started the the install process. Yeah, and it's well, because you're going from scratch, so it definitely took you a while. And even the upgrade process is quite, you know, it, it's set a half an hour to an hour aside because it, it's going to take that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, time. actually, for me, it was it was relatively easy because all I did was use Carbon Copy Cloner to take the, the drive that I had been testing and put it on my main drive. Oh, I see. So you didn't actually have... Yes, yes, very good. You just yeah. migrated your live mm-hmm. copy. Right, and then just added all the apps that I didn't have on the, the smaller drive that I need. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that works. So how long did it take you to get accustomed to the more Spartan look? Oh, um, not long. I, I didn't really miss all the skeuomorphic crap that you know previous versions had i i don't need you know fake felt and and you know all the other garbage that that was on there i, I would rather have a cleaner look hey, and i think the fake felt's been gone for a while though hasn't it yeah 10.9 what yeah well i mean you guys you know what we called it 
yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, just yeah. all the like all the the the, the fake three D stuff didn't really need it, didn't really care, and uh, <laughs> frankly. Um, even, even the dock is a little easier to use because in, instead of having the almost impossible to see little white ish kind of dot underneath active programs, it's now just a black dot. Yeah. Well, I've always, I've always been a side dock person, so I've never had that stupid glass tray. Okay. But even, even the non stupid glass tray has gotten slightly. Non stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what they've done, but there's something about it that makes it look cleaner. Maybe it's just actually the updated icons. Maybe that's actually the difference. But it it all looks cleaner. It's been a long time actually since I've had random passers by at my desk in work stop and look and go, "Oh wow, that looks good." <laughs> and that has been happening to me all week since I updated. People just say, "Oh, just that's very clean. That I like that. That's very elegant." And I just haven't had people stop and pass comment on my Mac in years, and all of a sudden people who I wouldn't expect to are noticing it. So I, I do think it's been a success. And I certainly wouldn't go back to the more flowery look. No. I'm just keen to get Helvetica as a system font. Well, it's modified Helvetica, but yeah. It's slightly modified, but the Lucida Grande that they use in Mavericks is also modified. Uh, I remember about a year ago when Mavericks was released, John Gruber found the... Um, Hidden font file. The, yeah, the hidden font file and, and posted the difference between it and regular Lucida Grande. And uh, and it was subtle. Well, I think it's R&M and stuff like that is what's been altered because R&M can mush together. Well, it's R-N, I think. Uh, Which become M becomes an M-looking thing, yeah. I have yeah, no R-M idea. R-M also becomes the same as M-N. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, just, we're not yeah no, this it just shows that we both listen to um to the talk show, I think. Yeah, well, that and I, I kind of like fonts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to admit it. I'm a fontaholic or something. I don't know. So you're font friendly. Yes, very That's much. So. Okay, one of us. Yes, one of us. Um, so, guy, have you been sending SMS messages from your Mac? I have been sending SMS messages. I have been answering calls. I have been doing all kinds of crazy things. Continuity rocks. Does, it, I am it's horribly black. jealous. It's black bloody magic. Is what it is. <laughs> I yeah. think it's white magic. Black magic is bad stuff. Okay. Well, yeah, it's... it's, it's <laughs> it, it, but no, it is... Because... So, my machine at home is fairly shiny and fairly new. It's a one-year-old iMac, and so it has the whole Bluetooth 4 thing. So it does the full bells and whistles all of continuity thing. And it's kind of weird to take out your iPhone, open an app, and just instantly watch an icon appear in your dock and then as you switch from app to app on your iDevice have they have those icons change on your Mac. Sweet. It, it is yeah, I, cool. I can't do that. I can't do go quite that far on my <laughs> my long suffering uh two thousand eight Mac Pro. But just just the little bit that I am able to do between my iOS devices and the Mac just, just makes me very happy. Well, yeah, because that's so. At home, I have the full bells and whistles, but in work, I have a much older machine, and it right. doesn't have the Bluetooth. And I'm really quite pleasantly surprised by how much cool stuff I've gotten, regardless of the fact that I can't get the full. Again, it's been a what you know. Apart yeah. from everyone saying how pretty my Mac was when my phone rang and it came from my Mac, I had people go, "What the who? That's voodoo!" I was like, "No, no, that's just good design." Yep. And it and really does you work. You won't be seeing that. You won't be seeing that with Android anytime soon. 
Well, no, you couldn't. Yeah, it's so hard for so. If you don't control all the bits, you can't do this kind of integration very successfully. You can try, no, but it's probably going to be buggy. And the only thing I will say is people should expect very long text messages from me now. <laughs> <laughs> Could do it right. And, and, and they're going to be so nice and clean because you're going to do it from your studio, Mike. Well, the, I, actually, the. The thing I'm afraid of with uh, continuity SMS is um, the, uh, there's, a, there's a very small difference between the kind of tick apostrophe that they use in uh, SMS messages usually and a properly formatted smart quotes apostrophe, which will show up very often when you type on a computer. Mm-hmm. And that difference is the difference between sending an SMS and an MMS because there are numerous forbidden punctuation marks that they don't like in SMSs, and an apostrophe is one of them for some reason. Uh, So just be careful when you type on a Mac, uh, because it could wind up costing you quite a bit of money. Actually, it couldn't, because I've disabled MMS on my account. Can you do that? Yes, you can, because I billed me for one once, and I told them I didn't want it at all, and I thought it was a terrible feature, and I wanted it gone, and they went, and I went, can you disable it? They went, yes. So I said, Okay, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Yes, problem solved. Um, the Obviously, the taking calls, the voicemail, that all works pretty well. I guess the other big thing that we now get to play with, last month we said that it was coming because we got iOS 8, but now we have iCloud Drive. So, anyone been enjoying it? Hating it? Um, haven't... Nervous I mean, about it. Sorry, guy. Go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm I, you know, between... Um, Box and Dropbox and uh, I can't even think of what the name of the the Microsoft one is. OneDrive. Yeah, OneDrive. Um, it's it's nicer to use. I, I'm glad that it gives me somewhat of a folder structure on my iOS devices. Though I would prefer to have that native. Um, yeah, so I'm reasonably pleased with it. I I don't really see it as being you know, groundbreaking. No, but it's a nice evolution. Is how it is. Yeah, it is. Because they haven't, what I like about it is the fact that for people who are put off by the file system, iCloud has always had the advantage of it just sort of magically sending files from app to app, you know, to the same app across all your devices without everyone having to learn what folders are and, you know, the the way Dropbox works makes great sense to people who are comfortable with a file system and is just pure voodoo to people who are not. And now Apple have managed to have their cake and eat it because if you don't know or want to know about the file system, you can continue to use iCloud like you always have in a completely file system unaware manner. And if you want to get geeky, the file system's there for you to play away with. Yep. Um, Pretty much, I had heard rumors of it eating... um I work documents, which uh, which sort of put me right off. But as I don't have Yosemite or Yosemite installed yet, then it, uh, I guess it doesn't really make any difference. I it hasn't eaten any of mine, uh, for what that's worth. Uh, and and long may it continue to not eat them. In fact, these very show notes I'm reading from now are sitting on my iCloud drive, and they continue <laughs> not to be eaten, which is good. Although they're in text. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Good old plain text. Actually, no, good old markdown. But anyway. Um, <laughs> we also got a new version of iWork. Yeah, new is a bit of a yeah. word. Yeah, got a lick of paint on iWork. Actually, i got to say, on iWork, um, oh. sorry, if you'll forgive me a minor rant. 
Oh, um, do please, do please. I, well, okay, I'm a, I'm a pretty heavy pages user, and I am, as we've kind of, I guess, established a bit of a font nerd. And um, I'm a little annoyed because the – what was the old version of, of iWork before, the, before they kind of de – whatever, de uh, – de, de, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Before they, did they changed the design and it? made it. Yeah, I think so. It's, but before they before they changed the design uh, about a year ago. Oh, you mean uh, before they made before they made it uh, mostly web based when it was just a yeah before they made it, made it to match the uh, to match the iPad version. Um, and back then, you had access to the typography menu, which mm. would let you do things like uh, muck around with the baseline and access real small caps in OTF fonts Mm -hmm. and uh since they've made it compatible with the ipad you just can't do that anymore um and i'd originally thought it was a bug and i was hoping that they would fix it and i've I've since then found out that they're doing it deliberately until they start introducing typographical features in the ipad which will presumably take place sometime around 2025 Uh, I, and I frankly, don't think so, I, I think it is going to come, and I think the reason it's going to come to iOS is because of the pressure on these kind of cross-device apps. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's just frustrating that I can get small caps in fonts that I have paid for when I use them in text edit, but not when I use them in the design-based word processor. <laughs> it is a free app, I suppose. No, you're right. It, it, no, it, it's not free. It is free. You gotta buy a, an Apple device to get it. <laughs> yeah, but if you own any Apple device, you can just download it now. It's you don't. I don't think you could pay for it if you tried. Uh if you, I, or maybe I'm thinking of the iLife or the old iLife programs. But if, if like, if you had just recently purchased a, um, a Mac Mini from mm-hmm. 2010, 2011, completely blank. And you put uh, Yosemite or Mavericks on it, and then went to the Apple Apple uh, apps, you know, the Mac App Store. I don't think that the iLi- old iLife and iWork, or all of them anyway, are free. I, I think there is a, a nominal charge. I could be yeah, wrong. I think, I think you have to buy your Apple device after a certain date. I think See, the, that the computer has to be a certain age young. That was true. When they first went free, I think it isn't true today, but I can't prove it because I don't have all of my Apple IDs have those apps in them now. Yeah, mine too. Uh, but I thought they had changed that to be just they're there. You may be right, actually, because I, I got my iPad back in February, I want to say, and I have a funny feeling that. I was offered even the ones that I didn't have bought at that stage for free once I updated iOS, but uh, I'm not 100% sure. Which is very useful and informative thing to say. Yeah, I I think they changed it when they gave everyone the cloudy version of Aperture, even if they had bought it before the cloudy version. Oh, I didn't know they'd done that. They did, yeah. So so Aperture is now available to me on five computers instead of on two because they converted my CD version into the cloudy version, which is nice of them. Anyway, I'm just looking at the time here. We should probably get press on. Um, yeah. something, yeah. something I have in the show notes is two useful links. One to make a USB bootable Yosemite installer, which, if you're going to help out friends and family who may not have broadband, is a very useful thing to have in your pocket. And also yes. a list of which Macs can and which Macs can't run Yosemite. Again, useful 
if friends or family phone and ask you, can I, should I, why can't I? Good to know. Well, basically any computer made after 2008, I think, will run uh, either Mavericks or Yosemite. I believe there are some from 2007, but then you have to be more careful. Yeah. Um, the other thing then I don't think we can we should gloss over is the kerfuffle, I'm going to call it, that the Wall Street Journal triggered by reporting as sensational the fact that Apple was doing exactly what Apple said they would do. So you may remember in the keynote way back in the summer, Apple said, and we're going in Yosemite, we're going to add internet search into Spotlight. And then you may remember in the keynote in October, they said again that we're adding web searches into Yosemite. Clearly advertised feature. How exactly the Wall Street Journal thought you could do a web search without sending your search strings to the web, I have positively no idea. But they reported it as a scandal that Apple was sending your keystrokes to the cloud. Well, maybe um, they expected them to be printed off somewhere and handed to someone to Google them. <laughs> or some pigeon would swoop into the window. You'd tie it. <laughs> yeah, di- digital pigeons. Digital pigeons. You know that someone actually implemented the IP protocol over a pigeon? I heard about that, yeah. yeah it, it's a full <laughs> spec. It was released on April 1st, but it is a full spec for pigeon over for IP over pigeon. Anyway. I, I think you may have mentioned it on some other podcast I listened to at one stage. I may do, because I'm really fond of pigeon IP. Um... <laughs> The other thing that the Wall Street Journal's video very strangely left out, so if you actually genuinely installed Mavericks and you hit command space or you clicked on the magnifying glass for the first time... Sorry, Mavericks or Yosemite? Yosemite, sorry. What did I say? I said Mavericks, didn't I? Yosemite. And you click on that magnifying glass for the first time, you get your little prompt where you type, and about 10 pixels down is a little message from Apple saying, we have added web-based searching. This means that we send your searches and your blah, blah, blah to the internet. Click, if you, you know, you can turn this off in settings, click here to find out more. Right. So this was then reported by a whole bunch of people as, Apple send your keystrokes behind your back. I'm sitting and going, A, how do you think they do web search without sending your keystrokes? And B, when they tell you to your face, they're not doing it behind your back. (laughs) So the whole thing to me just made me Tray cranky. Um, what I will say is that web-based searching has the potential to be bad. But actually, what Apple have done is they have implemented a very useful cloud feature in a way that is as privacy-protecting as it is possible to do something on the internet. So your Mac doesn't send the query to Apple with your Apple ID attached to it, which they could do. Instead, your Mac creates a temporary ID which lasts for 15 minutes and that is used to send your query off to Apple. It also sends your location but it doesn't actually send your detailed location. It rounds it off a bit so you're sort of saying I am in this blob and then that goes off to Apple and then Apple don't send anything directly from you to Bing for actual web searching. They only send on common queries to Bing So if you're searching for something which could only possibly exist on your hard drive, like the name of a file, that will never get passed on to Bing because that's not a common query. And what they do send on to Bing, they make sure that there's no IP addresses in there, there's no Apple ID in there because Apple never even had your Apple ID. And the Microsoft can't see your IP because the Microsoft servers are never talking to your Mac. Microsoft servers are talking to Apple servers are talking to your Mac. And so on the whole, if you wanted to do this right, this is how you would do it. And what should have been a story about how much 
effort Apple put into doing web ser- to doing internet searching safely became a story about how Apple is evil for sending your keystrokes. And what yeah, but me- who 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 would click on the other article? Yes, that is a lot to do with it. What made me see red and actually post a blog post was people said, "Well, people who are saying this isn't a big deal. I mean, you same people would lose your minds if 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 Google did this or someone else did this." So I went, "Fine." Windows 8. Google do that, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, they do. (laughs) I have in my blog post, which is linked in the show notes, a quote from the Windows 8.1 user guide, which says that by default, Microsoft sends your search queries to Bing. Strangely enough, no kerfuffle over that. QED. Because it's Apple. Correct. Uh, But but Microsoft only has, what, you know, 92% of the PC market. So, I mean, they're clearly not a big deal. (laughs) Correct. Anyway, sorry, I just wanted my little soapbox moment on that because. I... Well, that's okay. I got I got my um, I work rant. You've got your uh, privacy rant. Yes, I may have another rant to come in a moment. So Apple Pay. Uh, ditto, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of ranting to be done. So Apple Pay also launched for those people lucky enough to be in America. So Guy. Yes. Have you? How is it? The two of I... us are in Ireland, right? Even if either of us had an iPhone six, we still couldn't do Apple Pay. Apple well, we Pay could if we had an American pr- credit card. Oh, we could do it online, I suppose, but that's not the cool. No, thing. no, uh, we can do it with an, any NFC terminal can receive Apple Pay as yeah. long as you've got a, an American credit card. Huh. Well, because people have used it in in shops in Australia and stuff. Yes, because well, it does. It doesn't matter because I don't have an iPhone six. Okay, so I'm, we're I'm we are all talking bucks. about this. In a somewhat abstract theoretically, yeah. So I guess the first thing we should say is how it actually works. Is that the reason that it can work in New Zealand, Ireland, wherever, assuming your bank takes part, is because from the moment it leaves, basically, when you do your fingerprint thing on the iPhone, your iPhone becomes a contactless credit card, and it's using a valid credit card number that's just not your credit card number; it's a one-time credit card number. And so it yeah. ripples through the One-time entire token. credit card processing system in the entirely normal way, and it gets routed to your bank, and it's your bank that has been talking to your iPhone and knows how to translate back from this one-time credit number, credit card number to your real credit card number. That's why your issuing bank has to cooperate, but why nothing else matters, because as far as the merchant is concerned, you just use any tap-to-pay credit card. It is a credit card number. It has an expiry date. It has the three-digit code. All of that. It is a credit card. It just happens to be a one-time credit card number instead of your real credit card number. So it's called tokenization. It's also right. how Google Wallet works. So it's very sensible, very sane way to implement things. Right. And it doesn't even matter if somebody somehow manages to to capture the data because it won't work again. Exactly. Yeah, the, one time. The, the one-time credit card doesn't work twice. <laughs> Correct. And also, right. you see, this is why I, I think an important part of why there's a kerfuffle is because an awful lot of retailers use the fact that we use the same payment cards over and over again to track us, even if we don't do the whole loyalty card thingamabob. And if you have tokenized credit card numbers, they can't track you anymore. You That's right. to have a unique identifier. And I think that goes some way towards explaining why a particular group of American merchants have not responded mm. particularly positively to this development in everyone's security. Um, so Apple Pay launched. 
Apple Pay was very popular. Apple Pay, with the exception, I believe, those charming... who It was one American bank. Do you remember which one it was that billed everyone twice? Uh, it was Bank of America. It was Bank of America, wasn't it? Okay, that's what I thought. If you think so too. And I don't think they billed everyone twice, but I think they billed some people twice, and Apple said, yeah, that was their fault. And well, they even released a statement saying, yeah, it was us, which was jolly nice of them. Um, <laughs> But apart from that little whoopsie, which was rectified, and the people did have their money credited back, apart from that whoopsie, it actually was quite a successful launch. And um, Apple released a statement saying that within literally days, they had become the the largest provider of touch-to-pay credit cards in the world, which is not the world's highest bar. No. <laughs> uh, how long has Google Wallet so, been around and failed to set the world on fire? Well, you know, this, this kind of set me thinking. Um, you know, back in 2011... Or twenty, maybe even twenty ten. Everyone was saying Apple needs NFC, and then twenty eleven was Apple needs NFC, and twenty twelve Apple needs NFC, twenty thirteen Apple needs NFC, twenty fourteen Apple wins at NFC. <laughs> well, there, there which is a- which is also, if you look at the uh, big phones, it's the exact same pattern. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's fair to say Apple win at big phones because I think Samsung have been doing pretty well at big phones. We'll their big the phones make year. the money. Up until, up until recently. <laughs> no, no, their big phones don't make the money. They lose money because of all the other rubbish they sell. Yeah, well, I mean, Apple are, are doing surprisingly well now in all the countries that love big phones, and Samsung are slipping. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, they're not doing as Less. well as they have done. Yeah. 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 So anyway, good launch. Apple becomes biggest contact leader in contactless payments. Jock horror. And then we start to hear stories of vendors intentionally blocking Apple Pay. So in this case, it was... Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. It's not just Apple Pay. Yeah, it's correct. NFC terminals are being removed in general. Yeah, they have to turn off all of their NFC to stop Apple Pay from working. So they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. Yeah, because they want to use current C instead. Which, yeah. which hasn't even launched yet. Okay, let, let's no, back up. No, that's all next though. year. So, so the stories come in that was it. It was Rite Aid and CVS. Rite Aid, CVS, uh, Target, Walmart, and Home Depot. Now, I know that in in the case of CVS and Rite Aid, it had been working. Yes. And then they made it not work by removing their NFC. Did it ever work in places like Walmart? Um, I don't know if they had NFC terminals in Walmart. I, I, I'm pretty sure they did in Target. But, but one of one of the the problems, or the, the way this whole thing kind of started shaking out, mm-hmm. was that the big players in currency basically said, "Well, you have to, you know, if you sign up for currency, you, you can't do NFC. You can't do Apple Pay or Google Wallet." And that was part of the reason why CVS and Rite Aid removed their terminals. Yeah, so because Apple Pay and Google Wallet are just credit card transactions as far as the terminals are concerned, if you have an NFC terminal, you do the touchy thing and it just kind of works. And so the only way they were able to stop Apple Pay working was to disable all tap-to-pay credit cards, whether they be credit card credit cards, Google Wallets or Apple Pays, basically DNFCify the place. Right, after spending all that money to put them in. Brilliant move. Genius. Absolute genius move. Um, and they also, I love the line where they said, oh, we, we cannot take. No, no, you can, you just won't. Right. Well, there's some question mark over that, though, because they, it's possible that they, they have a contractual obligation that they can't take. Apple. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's what they say. Does that, that count as you know, well, that, it, They may it, not, it, they it counts as, well, yeah. 
you can. Well, there was there was one there was one. Uh, it was either a drugstore or a grocery mm-hmm. store that basically you know told them to go you know take a take a jump at themselves. It was and mayor. Yeah, yeah. I don't know and, what they do. I just know that's their name because I don't live in America. So what do mayor do? Are they a drugstore, grocery store? What are they? I th- I think they're a grocery store. They're not they're not in the area that I live, but. Oh, okay. But they actually said, you know what, we're going to keep accepting it because we would rather have happy cu- customers pay by whatever method they want to. Yeah, well, and, uh, that's – sorry, go ahead. Well, it just – and I think uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, the the powers that be at current C at, at this point have to make a decision whether or not to kick them, kick them out of the current C club because right now – Myers or Mayers is on both the Apple Pay uh, site with Apple and the current C site, basically saying, "Oh yeah, they're they're with us. They're with us." Well, the 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 question that that raises for me is, um, when they were asked about current C, the the people who were running it, they were asked if people would be fined for using Apple Pay, and they basically parsed it as, "Well, they won't be fined if they leave." Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if Mayer uh, sticks with currency and Apple Pay and then gets fined by the currency group, or if they just leave currency and stick with Apple Pay, or how that that well, plays I, out. I think. Well, I think that's what I think that's what currency is afraid of. That if they go ahead and try to force them to make a decision one way or the other. You know, basically, uh, Mayor is going to say, well, let's see, we've got this promise of technology to come sometime next year that may or may not work with uh, NFC, or we have what works right now that is basically, you know, doesn't cost us anything more than the 3% we were paying credit card companies anyway. So uh, why wouldn't we keep taking the payment method that people want to use? Well, um, there's actually a really, really, really great discussion of this on uh, this week's Exponent. I don't know if you listen to it. It's Ben Ben Thompson's um, podcast with James Allworth, and uh, and they kind of start off from the perspective that you're presenting, and gradually through the course of the show, they kind of start to see things from the perspective of those who are on the you know on the on the current sea site because i mean let's face it currency is not a good system okay actually, um, we should be right but, before yep. we continue discussion we should probably take a moment to actually describe currency because we're all talking about it as if Yo, sorry, knows, yeah. but we should probably fill in that little gap i've been trying to find somewhere to put in without putting in but sorry uh, that's okay but away so currency is a group of merchants it's merchant exchange or the the mcx i think is what the company is called and their product is current c which is supposed to sound like currency i presume Yes. And the idea is that these vendors have all gotten together to provide a digital wallet that will not be credit card based, but debit card based. And the reason they want debit cards is because that way they don't have to pay credit card processing fees. Which is about 3%. Which is, it varies, but yes, approximately. Um, the other thing, of course, that they want to do, because they're merchants, so they're seeing it not from a customer point of view, they're seeing it from a merchant point of view. And from a merchant point of view, they think it's a genius idea to combine your loyalty card and your payment method into one, so that they really can track us everywhere we go from merchant to merchant to merchant. So obviously, if you are Walmart, what you want is you want to not pay fees, and you want to track everyone all the time. And so... 
Of course Walmart think currency is superb. Well, they are also one of the people inventing it, so yeah, they kind of should. Well, Walmart are kind of pushing it on other retailers as well. It was their idea in the first place. Yeah, so they basically, they had an idea, they got people together to get critical mass, and they tried to get it off the ground. But of course, they haven't actually made any technology yet. So this is in the works and has been since 2012, and they've been very quiet about it. And their line to the media has been... We don't want to pre-announce, we'll talk to you when we have something to say. And they've kind of just been flying under the radar until now, when Apple Pay has sort of poked them a little bit in the eye. Uh, So from a customer point of view, things are very different, though, because if you read their terms and service, if you get defrauded on a credit card, it's a bank's problem. If you get defrauded defrauded on currency, which is a debit card-based thing, it's your problem, which is not good. The fact that they got hacked this week doesn't help. Um... Well, also, at least uh, you, you have Home Depot, you have Target, and uh, I think CVS, all of them have had their systems hacked. Right. So on the one hand, you have one-time credit cards which keep you anonymous, and all you have to do is hold your finger over the fingerprint reader and go beep. On the other hand, you have, at the, at the unless they change their system, the currency system involves you taking photographs of, of a QR code. QR codes, which people have pointed out that anyone else with a high, with a decent resolution camera phone anywhere within a couple of yards of you can do that too and can end up taking your money or whatever. Slight problem. But also it's a bit more it's a lot more clunky and actually the other thing is it's not a one time credit card, so you're losing the security benefits and you're giving up your privacy. So, so it's a win win. Well, okay, but the way I look at it is actually, right, it's not a competition between Apple Pay and currency. It's a competition between Apple Pay, currency, and the status quo, which is credit cards. Right. Now, is currency more in- interesting than credit cards? No. Not, not for me, the consumer. Well, as a story, yes. As a concept. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, well, yeah, people, story, people aren't going to switch away but- because... It's too much effort. Like uh, I liked what John Maltz said. He said, not only will I never use this system, I will strangle the first person I'm behind in a checkout line who tries to use it. Yeah, I did read that. <laughs> it, it, but look, me as a customer, I am never going to be in, like, inertia is a real force. People don't change their behavior unless they see a real advantage. It's going to be a very hard sell for currency to get people over unless they start giving everyone free money, which they well, the- may have to do. The the advantage has to has to outweigh the pain in the ass of changing. Yeah, but not just a uh, little. Yeah. Changing your behavior. You don't. Yeah, it, it has for... to be. Yeah, it has to be a big advantage. Yeah, people are so resistant to change. You don't change for a little thing. You change for something big, and you could give everyone a free twenty bucks, and they still probably wouldn't change. You probably have to give them a lot more than that. Whereas with Apple Pay, it's just all wins. It's not yeah, much it, effort to get it set basic, up, and yeah, it's all and it's, wins. It's from the there. same. It's the same. Pretty much the same method that has been tried and true elsewhere, just finally making it to the United States. Yes. And also, the other thing, of course, is from a small retailer's point of view, they're actually much closer to the customer than they are to Walmart. Because your local mom-and-pop coffee shop aren't interested in tracking you. They don't care about all of the reasons that Walmart want you to use something they can track. They want happy people who will come and spend money. And so for the smaller shops, they're on the side of, of Apple Pay or, or the status quo as well. So really it is only the big box retailers who stand to gain by this. Yep. And we can certainly trust them. <laughs> Indeed. Except now, I really don't think they will gain because no one's going to use this system. 
I think it's doomed to fail because they're not going to convince people to join up. Yeah. Or even if people join, they'll join, they'll use it once, they will get their free live stuff. through that experience and they will never want to have it again. Well, right. Well, this, this, is, this is part of the reason why they're trying to force current C users away from uh, NFC. This, this is why they don't want their current users to be able to see how well it, it could potentially work. Right, because it's already oh, yeah. a hard sell to go from the status quo to currency. But it's a way, 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 way harder sell to go from Apple Pay to currency. Yeah, so it's, it's uphill or really uphill. Now, we've already mentioned a few times these various contracts that we... Well, basically, media are reporting that these contracts exist, but I don't, I don't know if we know that for sure, for sure. But I was reading some discussion by antitrust lawyers who were basically saying that if all of these people are in currency are independently choosing not to support Apple Pay, that's fine. There's nothing to worry about there from an antitrust point of view. But if word has come out as an instruction from currency, then that is probably enough that it should trigger government investigation, is what these lawyers are saying. Well, they could just, you know, wait four years until... Currency has a mon- monopoly, and then sue Apple. <laughs> yeah, like that. Like that's <laughs> ever going to happen. Have to get sued if there's, a, if there's a monopoly discussion going on. And I'm not sure how, but they have to. Um, I have a feeling we've touched. I'm just going through the show. Oh, yes, okay. There is the other side of the coin, of course. Um, so the currency vendors are trying to get rid of Apple Pay and succeeding, with the exception of mayors who are taking a stand. Wells Fargo, on the other hand, are giving everyone free money to try Apple Pay. Not a lot of free money, just 10 to $20, but free money. That sounds like a win to me. It does. Mm -hmm. And if you're curious about how it works, Apple have released an updated version of their iOS security document, uh, security guide, which also contains a big section on the whole how Apple Pay works. So that may be of interest to people. And unless anyone objects, I'm going to jump us into the last of our big stories. No. Jump away. Jump away. Um... Tim Cook, although it's been an open secret for a very long time, uh, I have never, I've always had a, a rule on my, any podcast I've been involved in that we do not out Tim Cook. It is up to Tim Cook to out Tim Cook. Uh, Tim Cook is now out of Tim Cook, so we can now talk about it. And the reason I say that is because I don't think it's appropriate to force anyone's private life out into the public unless they're being. If you're going out there telling the world that being gay is evil while being secretly in the closet, that's a newsworthy thing if you're a public figure. If you're yes. just a CEO minding his own business, it is no one else's business what your sexuality is. And therefore, I never liked this idea that, oh, well, everyone knows he's gay, so we should just say it. No, if he wants to come out, it's up to him. So he has come out. Yeah, and, he did and, so- and honestly, you know, I mean, uh, kudos to him for doing so. But what does that have to do with him running Apple? I mean, I understand. I understand with him running Apple. Exactly. But that, that's why it, it shouldn't, I mean, I, I, I'm not talking about it from, the viewpoint of um, the the story where, you know, he came out, it's from the viewpoint of why would you care one way or the other, what the sexuality of a successful CEO is, as long as the company that he's running remains successful. As a shareholder, you certainly shouldn't care because it doesn't make any difference. As a shareholder, you shouldn't care, but as a, uh, as an observer or as, you know, and he kind of uh, said this in his coming out letter, if if you're someone who needs somebody to look up to, then it, it matters a great deal. Well, all right. 
as a gay man here, I'll just pop up and say it. There what? Is... Do you not know that guy? <laughs> no, I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like, do I have to write a letter or do? People... <laughs> Sorry, no, no, I do. I sometimes was... I, I like when new colleagues start to work. I sometimes forget that you're supposed to come out. It my and I just mentioned my husband. And I was like, what? No, come on. I do these things to be funny. <laughs> so you, you were too good this time. You kept too straight of Yeah, I know. Um, mm. Sarcastic what needs work, I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there is still, a, there is genuinely still a need for gay role models. Like, it is going through that experience, particularly in your teenage years, is difficult. There's just no two ways about it. It is difficult, and even though it should not be news, it is, and it's actually very important. And it's something Tim addressed in his own letter, and he addressed it very eloquently. It it does matter. There are still a whole bunch of states in the United States where writing a letter like Tim's could get you fired legally. That is, you know, oh, you're gay. You do not have a right to your job anymore. And that just that that is. The law, and there's nothing anyone could do about that, apart from change the law. Marriage equality is still very much missing, and if anyone says, oh, it doesn't matter, well, I'm sorry, it really does. Um, in Ireland, we're lucky to be a step ahead of many states in the US, but not all. There are, there, there's marriage equality now in 33, I believe, states, so that's yeah. pretty good. But in the other states, you have nothing. And so in Ireland, we don't have nothing. In Ireland, we have separate but equal, only not equal, so separate. Um, so I have a civil partnership, not a marriage. My brother, so me and my brother are both immigrants to Ireland. We were born in Belgium. We moved to Ireland. We both grew up here all of our lives, paid tax here all of our lives. And we both fell in love and we both married or as close to married as we could to the person we fell in love with. My brother has a right to Irish citizenship because he fell in love with a girl. I do not because I fell in love with a boy. Now, I am lucky that I do have visitation rights. I do have next-of-kin rights. For tax purposes, we're considered married. So I'm way ahead of people in those states in the US where there's no marriage equality. But even here in Ireland, there's still a long way to go. And that's even more true in the states. Well, I look at it this way. You know, why should uh, only heterosexuals suffer with marriage? <laughs> well... <laughs> I say it joking. Actually, one of the yeah. one of the <laughs> no one, one of the things Tim Cook said actually, which 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 kind of took me aback actually, because I'd never thought of it like this, is that he considers being gay one of the greatest gifts God has given him. Now, I'm agnostic, so I wouldn't throw God into the question, but it takes a real level of maturity to treat something which has made my life more difficult than it needed to be as a gift from God. But actually, he's right because it does give empathy and it it does give a more appreciation for things and and this is purely a joke you know i have heard it said that homosexuality is god's way of making sure that the truly talented are not burdened with children (laughs) (laughs) well that explains a lot about my life but you know i say that because it's funnier than saying i can't have kids (laughs) anyway sorry i'll get off my second soapbox i'll let you guys speak now well, it's like what I said right at the the, the very beginning. Um, what's sad about this is that it's necessary at all that that Tim Cook has to has to uh, come out. It's not like he was in the closet. He, you know, one foot in, one foot out. I guess it's closet adjacent. Yeah, closet adjacent. <laughs> but yeah. But it, I don't even think he had to. But 
the fact that it's helpful for him too is what shouldn't matter. Well, I don't think it, it was so much helpful for him as it's going to be helpful for others that, that find themselves in situations that it could be uh, dis- disad- disadvantageous to them uh, financially, emotionally, you know, job and, and where they live and all the rest of that based on their sexuality, which is, you know, in, in just just he, talking about it from from my perspective as a U.S. citizen, I honestly don't care what people do in their bedrooms or, or, you know, hanging from the rafters or, or whatever when they're home, because it doesn't affect my life. As, as long as, you know, all parties concerned are consenting and are fully aware of, you know, the, the pluses and minuses of whatever type of relationship that they're going to have, well, then more power the to them. Shut. Hmm? And they keep the curtains shut. <laughs> well, maybe people shouldn't be looking in other people's. Too, yeah, I was gonna say, maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they shouldn't be looking in other people's curtains, but uh, or other people's windows. But yeah, it, it's just it, it's a sad state of affairs that now you know in in this day and age that things like this become so important. It it it's sad that it is important, even though that even though it is. Yeah, I, th- I think that, that that's hit it on the head, really. And and Tim Pretty Cook much. isn't coming out here for Tim Cook's benefit. He's coming out here no. because he realizes that he's in. It's a going to help, to help other people. Yeah, and if you're wondering whether, if you haven't read the letter and you're, you're wondering what all the fuss is about, I would say read it because it's actually very well written. And and he sort of explains his reasons quite clearly. Yes. Yep, no, I, th- I think that's uh, that's pretty much everything. Go read the letter if you haven't read it, and and, and it's not long. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I don't it's, even it's, think it's, it's as long written, as written, uh, Jobs' written. DRM speech. No, it's not actually. You're, no, I don't think it is as long as uh, it was. A thoughts on music or whatever that one was. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we've we've probably dealt with that one. So let us wrap up with some quick stories. Um, the whole watchy thing has uh, no. developed a bit more this month. Not the Apple Watch; that's still TBC. Developing. Uh, I think it's but, been confirmed. Well, okay, but the, we have we know no more. Actually, we do yeah. know one very small amount more. They mentioned that the SDK was coming out in November. That's oh, the yeah. only thing new we know. Um, but Fitbit have—I mean, they're not competing with the Apple Watch, right? They're not releasing a product that does the same, but they are releasing. Effectively, one of their Fitbit Yokies that tells time, which is nice, called the Fitbit Surge. And Microsoft have jumped in with the Fitness Band, as they have so imaginatively called their Fitness Band. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, tell in me, fairness, tell me, Bart, called what does it do? Watch. Well, it, it has, actually, it has <laughs> a whole batter of sensors, I believe, 10 different sensors, and it has a touchy interface. It has little squares. Because that's well, they've never done that like before. A sensitive interface, or sorry, no, I'll stop making bad puns now. <laughs> so, you know, it's worth mentioning that the, this market is young and evolving, and it, keep your eye out. There's much more to come. Um, I honestly do not care about any of these watches until you know. Basically, uh, these kinds of devices, in my opinion, aren't going to take off until the watch itself is able to do 
the things that that not so much smartphones but but regular phones can do without being tethered to another device and then you've got something like the iPod touch in your pocket for the apps and everything else and your iPod touch if it needs outside connectivity is doing it through your watch instead of the watch doing it through the phone yeah that is the world I want to end up in where my connection to the, my portal to all of my stuff in the cloud is this tiny thing on my wrist and I walk up to big screens and they just become my computer Yes, exactly. And then I wanted to get even smaller that it's just a little thing that's in my pocket somewhere that I don't even think of. Maybe like a sort of a badge thing you clip onto the front of your tunic. No, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> my Star Trek fetish is out of the way. Um, ah. The the other thing which would have been a major story had all of the other news not happened. I would have had it as one of our main articles, but um, those sapphires. Um <laughs> GTAT, which is, I think, GT Advanced Technologies, they had, they built a whole new factory, partly with Apple's money, and uh, it didn't go so good. Uh, there was much confusion, interesting timing on the executive sale of shares, and they sort of went bankrupt. So, it's happened quite a lot that Apple has wanted some kind of technology and gone to a company that makes that technology and gifted them a whole bunch of extra resources. Mm. Um, like, I remember hearing a story where uh, the the store, the Apple store in China with the curved glass, that mm-hmm. curved glass uh, was thought by the architects to be impossible. So Apple went, researched, found a factory in Germany that had um, had figured out how to do it, bought the factory, gifted it to the architects and said, now go build us our shop. Um, <laughs> I think this is the uh, – I've heard of quite a few stories of Apple doing stuff like that, and I think this is the first time that I've heard of it happening where the company that they gifted has then gone bankrupt and not been able to repay the gift. A gifted – I'll be careful about using the word gift because it's, well, okay. it's a gift with many strings or otherwise known as a contract. <laughs> uh, but, well, you know, I mean, they bought right. them all I mean, the furnaces and things, didn't they? Did, yeah, but they also regularly – Together with uh, partners in China, build you know help finance new factories in exchange for them doing iPhone production and stuff. So yeah. you're right; they have definitely done this model of we're not buying you out; we're entering into an an agreement with you where we will part fund you Your making equipment. us stuff. Yeah, and it you're right; it has generally worked. Yeah, not so much this time. Uh, in the end. They have decided to part ways amicably in inverted quotes, the inverted commas. But yeah, amicably, if you ask Apple. Well, I think amicably, amicably in a legal sense, as in yeah, they are not suing each other. But that's about as amicable as it gets. <laughs> yeah. And it, for most of the month, actually, that story only came in yesterday or the day before. For most of the month, I thought it would be much more confusing. But the fact that it ended with, okay, fine, we'll go our separate ways, means it's not as difficult a story to talk about as it could have been. Um. If you're in the market for a second-hand iPhone, Apple have now made it easier not to end up with a stolen locked one. They have a new web interface where you basically type in the, I think it's the serial number or the IMEI number, one of those things, of the phone, and it will tell you whether or not the thing is activation locked. If it is activation locked, don't buy it because you won't be able to actually use the thing because it's probably stolen. And uh, little old Ireland has... I've heard of them. Yeah, I heard... Nice little island, a little bit wet. Generally quite pretty, though. Uh, 
Ireland have long had an interesting tax arrangement which has the nickname of the double Irish. And the reason it's called the double Irish is because you have to have two Irish subsidiaries. One of them is really an Irish company that is actually in Ireland, and one of them is registered in Ireland, but is actually in, like, the Cayman Islands or somewhere. And because of some intricacies of Irish tax law, you could basically funnel funnel money from your legitimate Irish operation to the not Irish but registered in Irish operation and do so without paying taxes. And that's going away. So the that loophole is going away. What's not so- going away is Ireland's low corporate tax rate. Which so is why most companies will keep their money in Ireland. Well, I, I, I think I heard, Bart, and, and I didn't have time to check up on this before mm-hmm. the show, unfortunately, but uh, am I correct in saying that companies which have already um, taken advantage of the double Irish law can continue to do so? It's just not, uh, not allowable for new companies. Well, the phrase phased out hmm. tells me that that is definitely true for now. But I don't know if that's going to be true forever. I doubt it. They'll <clears throat> phased out to me means it's going to eventually go away, and that all the companies that are currently using it will have to figure out something else to do. But they're being given some time, probably in the right. order of years, as usually yeah. things go. To probably in the order of let's, uh, you know, <laughs> the current government is waiting for the next government to have to deal with it. No, because yeah. I think the EU is going to have a lot to say about it. And I don't think Ireland at this point, you know, that they certainly enjoy having all these multinationals bring their money into Ireland, but they also know, you know, what, where, what side their, but their, their butter is breaded. Their, their bread is, their bread, <laughs> <laughs> their bread is buttered. You know, they're, they're part of the EU. And unless, uh, you know, they want to spend a lot of time constantly going to, uh, where is it? Where is the, the EU head? Brussels? Well, Brussels, between Brussels, Strasbourg, it's a bit decentralized because everyone wanted a piece of the pie, but we'll say Brussels. Okay. All right. All right. Well, the, the, the big EU place to explain over and over again, you know, why they're continuing to do this. And by phasing it out, they, they make the, uh, the, the cranky people in the EU that aren't happy about it kind of be quiet. And it gives the companies that have taken advantage of it time to phase it out. And they're still going to be paying less in taxes than they would have if they brought that money into whatever country it is that is their home base, including some small little company I've heard of called Apple. Yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, companies, multinationals with presences in Ireland are are, are not, it's not just about having your money here. Because we also have the low corporate tax rate, it's also about making stuff here. And so the making yes. stuff here isn't threatened by any of this. No. It's only the token, the, the, the sort of the, the not real presence. The We've registered our company in Ireland, but it's officially headquartered in some very sunny place that has no tax laws. Right. That stuff is going away, but the actual Intel, HP, Abbott, Oracle, all, all, Google, all of these people who have real either support centers or factories here, that all continues to go along because that's actually doing stuff and that continues to be covered by our low corporate tax rate. And so it's actually a very sane solution to this situation. Right. And there's no reason why Apple, like say, let's say Apple, for example, mm-hmm. would 
move however many billions of dollars that they have that they're paying. And let's say it goes to, I don't know what the, the highest corporate rate in the EU is, but just for the sake of argument, let's say it's 12%. So now they ha- suddenly have to pay uh, 12% on all of the, the profits generated from around the world that they've put into Ireland, as compared to bringing it back to the United States, where they have to pay 35%. I'm sure you could find higher in Europe if you tried. I think 12% is the actual Irish rate, which is low compared oh. to France and Germany. Okay. Hang well, on. then I'm, that I'm was a good guess. Hmm? Uh, highest is... Oh, you have a graph. Oh. Well, I've got, I've got Wikipedia. Ah, okay. Uh, well, regardless, regardless, 12%... 35% in Malta. Malta. Okay. 12% is yep. certainly much better than 35%. Yes. So <laughs> there is no yes. reason. there is no reason why Apple and all of these companies wouldn't continue to put their money in Ireland where they're going to have a better tax rate. And where they, where they have the infrastructure and the, the offices and companies already built up. Right. And yep. the very well-educated oh, oh, workforce. Sorry, that 35%, six-sevenths of it is refunded, so it's really about 5%. Belgium, Bart, you'll be happy to know, is the highest with 33.99%. Uh, so that doesn't Belgian even include, number. right? The Belgians have a unique and genius idea called the 13th month. Everyone legally mandated must be paid double in December. Huh. So every really? so a, any company doing any actual manufacturing in Belgium, employing any people, they all have to their wage bill is at least a twelfth higher. <laughs> Why would they do that? Because there was a time when Belgium was a very, very large industrial country with very strong trade unions and they were making stuff and selling it around the world and making a fortune. So and now they're not. Now they're not, yes. Anyway, <laughs> I wonder I'd why. quite like a 13th month. Just, just saying. Anyway, um, f- second final story is HP have decided to split in half, which is, in my opinion, very sensible. So all the, the, the sort of the corporate stuff, the servers, the switches, the software and services, that's going one way. And yeah, the part that actually is- makes money. Yeah, the bit that actually makes money. And the printers and PCs are going another way. And they are both going to be public. It doesn't make company. money. Well, I guess they would like it to start. Dang it, guys. You beat me to my joke. But anyway. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's quite all right. Yeah, so hopefully the idea being that by freeing the two from each other, they should both be able to make money. Because they will be I... able to do their own thing instead of keeping the other half happy. So we shall see. And then finally, I just realized, Guy, I, I, I apologize profusely for confusing you with your British counterpart. <laughs> oh, you thought I was gas? Well, I called you gas. I didn't Wait. think. Oh, 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 okay. No. It's, well, I mean, the, the big difference between us is I'm like 6'5", and I think he's like 5'8", or 5'9". I'm bald, and he has hair. Um, what else? He's from the UK, and I'm from the United States. Other than that, we're like the same person. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Z and Z and all that. Anyway, um, the final thing I think, Bren, you wanted to throw in a story here at the end, just because you want to say I told you so. Oh yeah, no, this this was nice, and sadly, the the only evidence I have to this claim has has uh, uh, gone away with the rest of the IMP blog of of your. But uh, Christian Bale to play Steve Jobs in the upcoming Steve Jobs movie, I called it three years ago in okay. a jokey little article on the uh, on the IMP blog. A, so good who? call in the sense that he was correct, but B, it's a good call in the sense that I think he's a good actor for the job. Definitely. Yeah. For the jobs. For the jobs. I can, I can see it now. Here's the new computers that we have. It's called an iMac. 
Rachel. Well, no, seriously, if you, if you think he can't lose his temper to the <laughs> no, same know, extent no, that, no, that just, Steve Jobs could, go and watch that, uh, that, or listen to that clip from when he was making, was it Terminator 3? Shouting yeah. at some poor staff member, and then the director. No, it, he can act, though. <laughs> not yeah. just yeah, well, he, he may not need to. Hmm. Oh, but what, what about Ashton Kutcher? I don't think you'll have much trouble outshining Mr. Kutcher. Well, I haven't, I haven't seen that one, but from everything I've heard, Kutcher was about the only good thing about it. Is that relative to the rest of it? Or? Yeah. I've, uh, well, I've heard that he not, was, he exactly was very good in a very bad film. Okay. I, uh, okay. I remain to be convinced. I'm not going to leave my money to go see it. Yeah, of, of everyone that I've seen, or everyone that, that I have... Uh, heard of being attached to these various Steve Jobs projects, you know, and as much as I don't particularly care for him as an actor, uh, Ashton Kutcher probably looks more like Steve Jobs than any of them. Yes, that's true, but gotta be able to do more than look. Well, yeah, no, Wiley, um, I thought did a very good job back in the day, and he's got the same kind of profile. Anyways, your short story is becoming a long story. It is so. becoming yeah. a long story. <laughs> Sorkin movie probably will too. Anyway, that is it for uh, for this uh, month of news. Just a reminder that starting from last month, we have detailed show notes that are going to be up on lets-talk.ie for the show. So those show notes, if they're not up immediately when the show is out, they'll be up very shortly afterwards. Um, with lots and lots and lots of links, so not just what we actually talked about, but also uh, the stories that sort of informed at least my half of the discussion. Um, so lots of cool stuff there for people to look at, letstashtalk.ie, and while you happen to be there, there's these two blue buttons in the sidebar that are quite useful. Um, they, they're basically there to help you support the show, so um, I pay the bills and I'd sort of like something to offset those bills with. I, this show doesn't make money. This show doesn't even break even. But I'd like it to get closer to breaking even than it is at the moment. Um, those of you who already support the show on Patreon, thank you very much. You guys rock. And because of you, I'm about halfway to making ends meet, which is great. Uh, the way Patreon works, by the way, if you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, the idea is that you pledge on Patreon that you will give X amount of money. And the idea is that it's a small amount. You give X amount of money per show I manage to publish. And then at the end of the month, assuming I have done my bit, I get the money. And so, you know, Patreon is really great for small, you know, a dollar a show or something. You know, small amounts is is what Patreon is great for. PayPal is nice, but PayPal fees are a bloody nuisance. So if you donate a dollar over PayPal, PayPal gets 74 cents of it and I get the rest. Yay. Yeah, which is nuts. At the same time, if, if you don't like the idea of a monthly anything and you just want to say, oh, I'll just throw some money at Bart to help him pay his bills this month. If you throw it, you know, even $5 or whatever through PayPal, that is actually useful because the fees are still only $0.75 cent and therefore much, much, much more of it actually comes through. So whatever way you can support, I really appreciate it and there are lots of ways you can support that don't involve doing anything like that. Just review the show on iTunes helps. Um, yep. Tell your friends. That helps. Um, I should really get my banter down better. But anyway, I think that's what I used to say at the end of the show. So uh, <laughs> thank you to those who do support. And uh, there's big blue links there for those who don't but would like to. Um, Brent, I just thank want you. someone to, uh, to, to send a donation of exactly 74 cents to you. <laughs> I don't know what would happen then, I presume. <laughs> you wouldn't get anything. 74% of that would go to PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... 
Bren, thank you for joining us, and also thank you again for the lovely theme tune that people are going to hear in a few seconds after this. Well, thanks very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And do you want to give people some links where they can follow you on the internet? Um, I, yeah, I suppose uh, the best place is probably Twitter at the moment. I'm at Bren Finan, and you can find out how to spell that on that stash talk.ie, I hope. Yes, that will be um, added to the panelist page. <laughs> and uh, my blog, which is primarily a music blog, uh, is at brendanfinan.net. And it's actually bad timing on my behalf because I'm probably not going to have too much up on it during the next week because I'm attempting a redesign. Yeah, well, so, good luck. There you go. Thank and you very much. Both of those links will be in the show notes and on the contributor on the panelist page of Let's Us Talk. Guy, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's it's been great, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Gas has joined us out of the blue. <laughs> no, no, this 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 is my American DJ voice. Yeah, yeah. You can find me over there on uh, Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Mac Parrot. And of course, every single week over at mymac.com with Gazmaz for the mymac.com podcast. Yeah. I feel like I should have some sort of soundboard sound, but I don't. <laughs> I, I purposely did not turn it on because I, I would not inflict that on. I'll inflict it on my own listeners, but not on yours. <laughs> I was going to say, but that's what your listeners want. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, they wouldn't be listeners. Well, yeah, well, I figure they, they either want to hear soundboard, they either want to hear more soundboard or less of me, but it kind of works out to be the same thing. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, everyone, and until next time, happy computing. Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi everyone, it's Guy from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here to tell you about the show. I wish Gaz was here, but apparently he's too busy, so Hey, hold on a minute, I'm right here. What are you going on about? Well, I was about to cut a promo, but you always seem busy doing other things. Okay, now you've cheesed me off, so I'm turning you into a chipmunk. <laughs> sure, like you have the power to do that. Well, what did you just do to me? Like I said, I turned you into a chipmunk. Now be quiet while I do the promo. Why do I have a sudden craving for lettuce? The MyMac.com podcast is a fun look at all the goings-on in the Mac world. We involve the listeners in a show to talk about what's important to them and interview people who do amazing things with their Macs and iOS devices. A carrot might be nice. You can contact us via Facebook, Twitter, Skype as well as email. I have an urge to climb trees really fast. Shh! Find us in iTunes by searching under my Mac. You'll find us and a lot of other great shows all under the Stoplight Network. Hey, I can scratch behind my ears with my foot. If you promise to be good, I'll change you back. I don't know. I'm kind of digging the fur. The MyMac.com podcast. Done by a Brit and apparently now a chipmunk. Chipmunk.